Welcome to Allergy Times. I'm Dr. Zachary Rubin, and my podcast is all about allergies and immunology. This podcast is meant to educate the public and not intended as medical advice. Further questions should be directed towards your local allergist if you have concerns about your own health. This episode will discuss the natural history of food allergy. Before I begin, I want to give a big shout out to one of my close friends, Corbin Anderson. He's a musician who spent a lot of time making the music for this podcast, and I really appreciate his support. You can find him on YouTube by his name, Corbin Anderson. Thanks, Corey. Now, when I talk about the natural history of food allergy, I'm referring to the likelihood that a food allergy is outgrown and how long food allergy lasts for. There are many challenges to this story that I need to go over first before I can discuss this topic. First, We have a poor understanding of how common food allergy is. Most of the studies into the prevalence, or the proportion of the population who has food allergy at a given time, relies on self-reports. However, this is highly inaccurate. It's estimated that 25-80% to of self-reported allergies may not be true allergies. If you recall from my last episode on food allergy diagnosis, the gold standard for food allergy diagnosis is an oral food challenge. However, what I did not discuss previously was the type of oral food challenge that has to occur in a research setting to diagnose a food allergy. In research studies, oral food challenges are performed as a double-blind placebo-controlled test. This means that two oral food challenges occur on separate days. On one day, the individual being challenged to the food eats the actual food, and on a separate day, the individual eats something that appears to be the food but is a placebo. As you can imagine, this is a very costly, time-consuming endeavor. Now, looking at a recent study in 2018, which surveyed over 50,000 households in the United States, it was estimated that about 10% of the population is likely to suffer from at least one IgE-mediated food allergy. I'm not sure if this is the most accurate number. For example, there's more data on children compared to adults. My best guess as to how common food allergy is in children is somewhere between 3-10%. to However, what troubles me is looking at the growing trends in food allergy because they're quite staggering. The prevalence of food allergy in children reported by their parents has increased in the United States. From 1997 to 1999, the prevalence was 3.4%. In 2009 to 2011, the prevalence was 5.1% and in 2016, it was 6.2%. In 2008, self-reported peanut allergy prevalence was 1.4%, and tree nut allergy was 1.1%. However, in 1997, self-reported peanut allergy was a a lower prevalence at 0.4%, and tree nut allergy was 0.2%. We also must recognize that the rates of food allergy vary by age and other demographic features. However, we have a poor understanding about the causes of these differences. You may be wondering why all of this is occurring. I really want to go over this, but I have to save this for another episode. Another question you may be wondering is how can people with food allergy outgrow their allergy? This is such a crucial question that we don't fully understand. If we knew the answer to this question, then we would have a much better chance at being able to treat food allergy more effectively and possibly even cure it. Now, multiple mechanisms are probably involved in food allergy resolution. Remember, when I say IgE, that refers to the allergy antibody that causes food allergic reactions. 
We know that food-specific IgE levels usually fall over time in most individuals with food allergy. However, some people can tolerate foods even with food-specific IgE levels present. Therefore, the complete absence of these antibodies are not a requirement for outgrowing a food allergy. There are other parts of your immune system that are likely involved in creating tolerance to specific foods. For example, there may be rising levels of a protective antibody called IgG4. This is typically seen as a tolerance antibody and may protect you from allergic reactions even if the IgE antibody is present. There may also be the creation of immune cells called T-regulatory cells that may protect you from a food allergic reaction as well. The next question you may be wondering is, how do I know if a food allergy is actually outgrown? First, it's important to maintain regular follow-up with an allergist. Typically, individuals with food allergy are evaluated yearly, but longer or shorter intervals may be appropriate depending on your situation. During those office visits, it's important to discuss whether food allergy skin and or blood tests are appropriate to obtain at that time. It's always beneficial to update your food allergy emergency action plan and review the indications and technique for an epinephrine autoinjector. The skin and blood tests do not determine if a food allergy is outgrown on its own. What these tests do is help determine whether an oral food challenge is an appropriate test to perform since this is the gold standard for determining whether a food allergy is outgrown. I want to make a quick note about the language of food challenges. Often you'll hear people either passing or failing a food challenge. I'm not a fan of these terms because it implies that there is something potentially wrong with the individual with food allergy or their family. Instead, I think the proper way of describing the results of a food challenge is whether it's positive or negative. If a food challenge is positive, then it means that symptoms of an allergic reaction occurred after eating a test dose. If a food challenge is negative, then it means that no symptoms occurred throughout the oral food challenge. Most tests in medicine are described as positive or negative. For example, a rapid urine pregnancy test is either positive or negative. You don't pass or fail a pregnancy test, right? Anyways, I digress. There are several factors that increase the odds of a negative oral food challenge. These include lower food-specific Ig antibody levels or smaller skin prick test reactions. If these tests are downtrending over time, then the food allergy is more likely to have been outgrown. If there was a positive oral food challenge in the past, but there has been a significant time interval from that oral food challenge, then the odds of a negative challenge increase. Lastly, if the reaction during an oral food challenge occurred at a higher dose in the past, then the odds of outgrowing the food allergy are higher. So now, I'm going to shift gears towards the natural history for specific foods. First, we'll start with the most common food allergy in infants and young children, which is cow's milk. Cow's milk is unique in the sense that a large proportion of individuals with cow's milk allergy is actually non-IgE mediated. In my last episode, I talked about FPIES, or food protein induced enterocolitis syndrome. This is a severe condition characterized by vomiting and diarrhea that can progress to dehydration and shock. The main trigger is cow's milk followed by soy. There's no blood test for this condition so the history mainly drives the diagnosis. 
Fortunately, most infants outgrow F-Pies. Now, if the cow's milk allergy is IgE-mediated, then the rates of resolution are lower. How much lower? That's really hard to say because the studies vary widely. For example, one study followed 98 children over two years who were ages six months to six years with cow's milk allergy. Tolerance to cow's milk in these children developed in 22% of those with IgE-mediated allergy compared to 59% of those with non-IgE-mediated food allergy. However, another study followed 139 children with cow's milk allergy, of which half were IgE-mediated. They were followed for about seven years, and the allergy resolved in 34% of the children by two years of age, 55% by five years of age, and 68% by 10 years of age. Many people wonder, does tolerance to baked milk increase the chance of outgrowing cow's milk allergy? I believe that there's increasing evidence to support this theory. For example, a study in 2018 looked at 170 children with cow's milk allergy who were 7 years of age on average. 48% of those who were able to eat baked milk were able to consume liquid milk within 3 years. On the other hand, none of the children were able to consume liquid milk in the time if they were unable to tolerate baked milk. Let's move on to egg allergy. It's also one of the most common food allergies in kids. Like milk allergy, egg allergy tends to resolve in childhood and is more likely to resolve compared to other common food allergens. In two studies, egg allergy resolved in close to 50% of children by two years, 66% by four years, and 71% by six years. Like cow's milk, there is evidence that tolerance of baked goods with egg increases the chance that egg allergy resolves faster. For example, in a study that followed children over three years, approximately 64% of those who initially could eat baked egg tolerated lightly cooked egg at the end of follow-up compared to 26% of those were unable to tolerate baked egg. Now, peanut allergy tends to be more persistent. It's estimated that 20-25% to of children outgrow peanut allergy by four years of age. Low or undetectable peanut-specific IgE antibody levels, or smaller peanut skin prick testing, are the best predictors of a negative oral food challenge. Keep in mind that tolerance to peanut does not imply tolerance to tree nuts. Approximately 30% of peanut-allergic individuals are also allergic to tree nuts. Therefore, if your child has an initial peanut evaluation, your allergist may discuss with you regarding tree nut testing at the same time. There is further research into component-resolved diagnostics with the peanut allergy level, looking at specific parts of the allergy antibody that may give us more clues into when it's safe to perform an oral food challenge. You may hear of levels with the Latin derivation that's shortened, like ERA-H2, and that component is especially helpful in determining whether someone is outgrowing their peanut allergy. Now, when we talk about tree nuts, we're talking about almonds, cashews, pistachios, hazelnuts, walnuts, pecans, and Brazil nuts. The majority of tree nut allergic individuals can tolerate seeds, such as sunflower, pumpkin, and sesame. Coconut is not a tree nut. It is a type of fruit called a droop, and the vast majority of tree nut allergic individuals tolerate coconuts. Other foods that get confused include nutmeg, butternut squash, 
shea nuts, and water chestnuts. None of these are nuts and are usually tolerated by tree nut allergic individuals. Unfortunately, only approximately 10% of tree nut allergic individuals outgrow their allergy. Wheat allergy is usually outgrown. By five years of age, about 80% of children outgrow wheat allergy. As for other foods, it's not as well known. Soy is typically outgrown in the preschool age years. Sesame allergy tends to be seen as persistent, with estimates of 20-30% to outgrowing their food allergy. Fish and shellfish allergies tend to be more persistent, but there's not a lot of data to back this claim. So with that, I thank you so much for listening to me talk about the natural history of food allergy. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to future episodes of this podcast. Feel free to send me questions or ideas for future episodes on my Twitter, at Ruben underscore allergy. That's R-U-B-I-N underscore allergy. Remember, folks, the world of allergy is quite common and confusing, and I'm happy to clear up the confusion along the way. Take care.